Hey guys, welcome to the Music Biz Club. My name is Johnny G, and today I sat down with Bodhi and we talked about building a cult-like following for his music brand. So, why don't you tell everybody who's watching who you are and what you do and what your story is? Um, well, I'm Bodhi, um, rapper, singer, songwriter, producer. I can now add activists <laughs> um, from New Orleans. Um, I mean, I've been doing this. I've been I've been writing music since I was ten. I've been playing music since I was five. Um, started off as poetry, and it kind of translated into music. Um, it it started off into well, it translated into rap. I went I wouldn't say it translated into music because you know growing up in New Orleans, playing in a band was kind of like think the thing to do so it was mainly uh, instruments and you know kind of growing up with that and then writing poetry was like every i mean at, at that point it was like i felt like let me just see what i can do because you know no limit was real popular cash money was real popular at the time and uh, my uncle from california actually started like an independent record label so when I heard his music, that's what really made me want to do it. You know what I mean? So um, the first thing I did was I used to play like, this is when wrestling was like really, really hot, like the WWF and all that. So I had the um, I had the, the No Mercy game on Nintendo 64. And I used to go to the creative player mode and then play the, the uh, instrumental entr uh, entrance music. And I'll write to the entrance music. And I used to get like, you know, old cassette tapes and put the little tissue paper in the back and then record over it and like rap through the microphone on the boom box with the wrestling music playing in the background. And that, that was like kind of like my first, my first raps. And uh, uh, I let my mom hear him. And of course she did what every mother do, like that embarrassing got to tell the whole family and try to get you to rap and put you on the spot. You know what I mean? So uh, I went through that and it was it was it was one of those kind of situations where I didn't really know where it could go, but I know I like doing it. So you know, um, but I was still in the band at the time, so you know that was kind of like the number one priority because it was, and like I said, New Orleans with Mardi Gras and all that kind of stuff is like being in the band is a big deal down here. It's like it's equivalent to playing like to being a star on the football team. Like like is is like is that is that popular? Like it, you know, it's a big deal. So, you know, that was, of course, marching season coming up. So that was like the, the main priority. Well, when I turned, when I, when I turned 11, you know, I, I had an opportunity. I had, I had a choice. I wouldn't even say an opportunity. I had a choice. Uh, my mom wanted to send me to, it was like this college preparatory academy that was uh, funded, uh, that was founded by uh, Oprah Winfrey called Piney Woods. And, um, you know, she showed me like the, the pamphlet or whatever, uh, you know, it was it was like a dormitory type setting. Um, it had like private school vibes with uniform and 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 discipline and but it seemed like it was something that that'd be cool to, to 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 do. But my dad, on the other hand, was like, "Well, why don't you know? Why don't you come and live in Memphis with me?" So I had that was that was kind of like the choice: either go to the school, or go live with my dad. So I chose to go live with my dad, and um that's kind of when like the whole Bodie the rapper 
kind of came about. You know, it's like I played sports in school, but the band wasn't important, wasn't big in Memphis. It wasn't a big deal in Memphis. So it was like you had to find something to do. And it was either sports or music. So I kind of jumped into the music scene. Um, my, middle, my, my homies I met in middle school, you know, we used to have like little rap ciphers and stuff like that. And I kind of made a name for myself around middle, like, well, not really middle school, but junior high school. Kind of made a name for myself around junior high school. And then going into high school, it was like, I knew I was okay at sports, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a superstar at sports. So I said, I said, man, I know what I do know. I know I know music. So in high school, it kind of like took off from there. So it was like my freshman year in high school, like I let it be known like out the gate that I was a rapper, like out the gate. So we started like freestyle sessions in a lunchroom during freshman week. That was kind of like how we was all getting to know each other. So, you know, I was making a name for myself doing that. And then they had a, uh, they had a pep rally. And I made the mistake of asking to perform during a pep rally. That was the worst mistake I ever made in my life. But, you know, it, it, it made me, it, it, it helped me, it helped me put everything into perspective and understand that, not everybody is gonna like you or, or you are gonna have to experience an opportunity like to where people make you feel like they don't like you just cause it's cool to make you feel like they don't like you. So I, I, I chose to do the pep rally. And um, because it was freshman week, you know, every, you know, all of the upperclassmen, they, you know, they try to dog the freshmen out. You see what I'm saying? So it was one of those kind of situations where it was like, it was more so because I was a freshman and not because I was a bad rapper. Because it was freshman week and freshman Friday, they used to chase us around school and put uh, with Sharpie markers and try to draw Fs on our foreheads, stuff like that. So they used to try to dog the freshmen out. So I was a freshman. And when they announced me, they announced me as a freshman. So right out the gate, like yeah, all right. the upperclassmen in there just started booing. Like right out the gate, they just started booing. Before I even opened my mouth, they started booing. So they played the music. I'm trying to rap over the booze. Now, mind you, we are in a school gym. So the booze are echoing. They bouncing off the walls, off the ceilings. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, at this point, it become overwhelming because you can't even hear the music over the booze. And, 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 you know, the administration ain't trying to stop it because they know, like, man, this is how they do the freshmen. So it is what it is. And, man, for that whole week, they rolled me, man, for that whole week, man. Like, I didn't, I didn't know whether or not I wanted to rap again or whether or not I just wanted to quit. But I was like, nah, nah, I can't. I said, nah, I can't. I said, that come, I said, that come with the territory. It was at that moment that I just knew. I said, okay, that come with the territory. So right. I came back to school. You know, they had their little run with it, cracking their jokes. You know, booed at a pep rally. Aha, you know, they, they did all that. And, you know, I kind of went through the school year still doing what I was doing, rapping. Rapping in the lunchroom, freestyles. Then they started this whole battle rap thing. And every morning at six o'clock in the morning, we were in the school lobby, battle rap. And like, it, it was crazy, man. Like, it, it was like a crop. Like, people used to come to school early just so they can, um, just so they can catch the battle. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll come to school early just so they can catch the battle. So it's like, I went from being a rapper to the battle rap. And kind of regain my popularity all over again with the battle rap thing. So a talent, so later on, the talent show coming up, later on, I entered the talent show. And I said to myself, I said, please, 
I said, I got booed during the pep rally. Please don't let this happen again. Mind you, I'm still a freshman. So go to the, go to the talent show. Talent show comes. I perform. They love me. I actually wind up winning the talent show. And then from that point on, I was just known as that guy in school. So at that point, I was like, all right, this is something that I really want to do. So one of my homies uh, in school uh, named Scooby, um, he was a producer. And um, I used to go to his house, you know, after school and stuff like that, because he had a studio and stuff at his house. And we used to, he used to make beats. And we were a rapper over him. He kind of had like a whole little crew, like him, Kedrick, uh, Jay Twice. Uh, Brandon was even with us. And then we had a white boy named G. And uh, we'll all kind of go over there and just like freestyle. He'll make beats, we'll rap. Started working on like CDs and mixtapes and stuff like that. And, you know, that kind of started the whole trying to pursue this thing, like doing something. But I mean, but you was, we were still young. So we, we didn't really know what we was doing with it, but we knew what we was trying to do with it, if that makes sense. You feel what I'm saying? It was like, we knew, like we wanted to make something happen with it, but we didn't really like, think that we'll make something happen with it. Like, that's kind of like how it was. So, 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 so like going from that transition, what, what was the point where you said, I'm a professional now? Like, what was? It's, pro it's probably when I, when I turned, when I turned 18, when I graduated high school. And the reason I said that is because when, when I graduated high school, like I took a year off before going to college and like I traveled around doing door to door sales. And when I realized that I could sell magazines door to door to strangers, I was like, man, I can sell anything. And everywhere I went, I always would talk about the fact that I did music. So when I went back home and went back to school and started my freshman year of school, that's when I released my first CD because this one, MySpace was still kind of jumping. And I went to like a private Christian college. So I was like one of like five to 10 black people out of like, 2,400 white people, you know what I mean? So it's like, I definitely stood out. And then freshmen were allowed to have cars. So I had a nice car. I had an Acura with Lamborghini doors on it and it was painted and had tribal graphics and all that stuff on there. So it was like my car attracted a lot of attention. And when they find out I can rap, you know, like white people get excited when they find out the cool black guy raps, you know what I mean? So that was kind of like how that went down. And it was like, yo, bro, you need to make a CD, bro. We'll buy that joint. And like, it was just up from there. Like when I, man, listen, bro, I sold like 200 copy CDs in like three days. Like, wow, and they were buying them like $10 a piece. They were buying them, bro. Wow. Huh? 200 CDs in like three days, bro. And they was buying them at $10 a piece. That's crazy. Like most artists, most artists you there? sell 50 CDs, which is insane. Right. But see, I was on a college campus and they was just like excited because they knew me. You know, it was one of those things like, man, we know this dude. Like, you know what I mean? We're buying his first CD. We know this guy. So that like, that's what I think it was. I think the excitement was more of, we know, because a lot of them now still even hit me up now and be like, bro, I still got your first CD. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's dope. Yeah. So, wow. Wow. That, that's amazing. And so transitioning from the MySpace era to, to now, like, what, what, are, what, what are the differences in terms of, of marketing? Because, you know, you, you, have, you have a pretty decent, sizable brand. And, you know, you, 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 
filter buzz in certain areas and certain pockets. Um, what are the differences in getting your stuff out from MySpace era to to this current era where we have social media, we have distribution, different types of distribution platforms, um, different types of pay methods. There's a lot going on. How do you how can you how do you compare those two uh, eras? Now, now I'm going to tell you something that's so crazy. It's so simple that a lot of people miss it. Quality is key. Quality is key. Like, quality you can do all the Quality in terms quality of... Like, look, looking professional, um, making sure your content looks professional, making sure your photos look professional. Making sure your music sounds professional, professionally mixed, um, mastered. Because see, a lot of artists kind of go into this with the mindset that if they feel like they have the talent, that somebody's supposed to like their music. Now, granted, you get some situations where somebody go viral for having some low quality, goofy record, but they just get known for that. If you're trying to like seriously do this and make this a career, it's like you have to take it serious to the point that you would take any any business you would start. Like if you start a business, you know you got to go file the paperwork, right? You right. file the paperwork, get the business in existence. You go open the bank account for the business. You start getting your business cards made. If you're going to sell stuff, you go get a retail license. I mean, everything that you would do to start a business, you do the same thing with your music career. Like it's like if you're going to... If you're going to take it serious, you got to start conducting it like that. So the first thing I did was went and um, got my record company uh, registered. I'm like, if this is going to be my independent label, if this is going to be my independent brand, I need to get this registered as a business. Second, I went to the credit union and I opened an account ex uh, exclusively for my business. And I got a $5,000 line of credit just so I can say, okay, I have a business and I also have a line of credit for my business. You see what I'm saying? So I'm already showing out the gate that I'm serious. Then I go to ASCAP. I've already been registered with ASCAP as an artist since I've been in high school. Because like I said, we were, we were doing a thing and we, we were trying to make something happen with it. Like I had opportunities to be signed when I was young, but I was still in school. My parents was basically like, no, you're going to finish school first. Like we're not going to have you, you know, have to pull out of high school and do homeschool and because you're going to be traveling around being a rapper. It's like, but at this time, this is when Bow Wow was hot, Lil Romeo was hot. So being a, you know, 14, 15 year old superstar was like the thing to be at that time. But, you know, my parents was like, no, you know, you're going to, you're going to grow up and, and handle what you need to handle first and then go into that if that's what you really want to do. You know, so I had to, I had to kind of get a late start. You see what I'm saying? And then having to go spend three years in prison kind of put like a halt on everything too because I was actually um, like signed, well, in the process of being signed to a major, but you can, you can practically say I was signed to a major record label, like right before I, before I went in. So it was like, it was so many start and stops. And one thing I had to realize looking back on all of that, like I'll say to myself, even though I got signed to a major record label, it was strictly off of my talent because I was showcased in front of the executives. So it was like a different kind of situation because they were sitting right in front of me as I was performing and I was being compared to 2,500 artists and I got picked in the top five and the top five performed. So they got to see me live. Then they heard my music and it was like, okay, he has the talent, he has the skills and we can polish him up a little bit. But at the same time, you know, I was fighting the case over something petty, like in a self-defense type of situation. So, you know, when that happened, they kind of put a pause. But when I came, when I came, I used that time to really study the industry. Like I had books sent in 
to really study the industry and, and study how to run a record label and study like the ins and outs of like the law when it comes to music and how to understand the contracts and what to look for and what and what to sign and what not to sign. What a manager is supposed to do, what a producer is supposed to do, what a record label is supposed to do, what an A&R is supposed to do. Like intense, intense research, just books on books on books on books and taking notes and planning shit. You know what I'm saying? Then you meet people in there that, that got talents that can draw. So I talked to a couple guys and talked about my logo and had them, you know, draw up some logos and, and pay them in Zoom Zooms and Wham Whams to draw up a logo. Like just basically utilizing, you know, where I am and kind of using it to my advantage to say, okay, this is the plan I'm going to put together. So when I go home, this was this is what I'm going to do. So when I came home, it's like I just put everything into action. You know what I mean? It's like I, I moved back to New Orleans instead of going back to Orlando. I was like, okay, fresh start, I'm back home. Um, I said, I can just kind of see where I can navigate from this. And I just kind of took it one step at a time. I started off meeting people and it was just meeting people by chance. Like I didn't immediately jump into the studio because when I got out of prison, I didn't have anything. Like I lost everything when I left. So it's like, I couldn't really say I'm, I'm going to go and just spend a bunch of money because I didn't have shit. You feel what I'm saying? So like, like my mind was like, man, I need to get a job so I can start making some money. But in the process, I was meeting people. And my first job, like, Coming home, like I was a bartender at the Superdome and the Smoothie King Arena. So I was working basketball games, football games, and concerts. So it's like, what better place to be than to be somewhere that you can possibly run into whoever? You feel what I'm saying? So it's like, that was like my door opener. And I was, dude, I was making some crazy money, like bartending those games. Because those, you know, I was working in, in, in like the skyboxes and shit where people had season tickets. And, you know, they were, they were spending, like, big bucks. So I'm making, like, five, $600 in tips. You know what I mean? Plus $7 an hour. You feel what I'm saying? And, and we're doing, like, 12-hour days during the Saints game. You feel what I'm saying? And if we go to the playoffs, it's like the money is double because people are drinking more because they're celebrating. They're happy. So it's like I took advantage of that. And then you had Pelicans games. You got 82 games, 41 of the games playing in the city, and you're working every single one of them. And then they're having concerts, you know, Beyonce come here, Chris Brown come here, Katy Perry, Paul McCartney, Journey. You know what I'm saying? And I'm working those games, seeing these people, meeting these people. I met Kobe Bryant, met Katy Perry. Like just being in a, just being in these bars, you know, that's in the that's in the arena, but they're just positions in the right place. It's like a backstage bar and then the VIP bar. So it's like you're running across like Katy Perry's like production team and her manager and and all of that. So it's like. Me being me, I'm talking to people, I'm networking, I'm telling them what I do. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm getting them drunk in the process. And, you know, but when they're drinking, they become more talkative. So before you know it, it's like we're, we're friends. You know what I mean? And I, I just kind of slowly use that. And I stack my money up. And, 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 I, and I was just slowly starting to execute my plan. So then I met, then I met my business partner. And, you know, he, he heard my music. And he was like, yeah, man, you know, I want to work with you. He said, Let, let's partner up on this thing and let's see, let's see what we can make happen. So we wind up starting a company and, you know, we, we put money into the company. We wind up meeting an artist who I, whose music I found on SoundCloud, found out she was from New Orleans. And then I wind up doing a show with, um, with Hip Hop Weekly down here. And she was at the show. And I introduced myself to her and we talked to her and we asked her who her producer was. And... She introduced us to her producer, and then when I, I had the meeting with him, I wanted him to produce 1052, which is my most my most recent EP, I believe. So, you know, he and I talked, I let him hear some old music, like, from before I even, like, went 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 to prison. So, 
And he was like, man, your music is timeless. He said, I would have never thought that you recorded this so, as, you know, so long ago. And I'm listening to it and it seemed like it's still relevant today. And he was like, well, look, man, I'll work with you. And he was charging me $1,000 a, a session. And, you know, that, and that included the recording, the beat, the mixing, the mastering, like everything. And we built the beat from scratch the whole nine. I didn't have any time limit on studio time. So it was like I can come in the studio and be in there all day working on that one song. So that was kind of like the start of let's get this whole thing going. And by him having credits under his belt, like, you know, Chris Brown and Lil Boosie and, and Lil Wayne and all of these people whose tracks he's worked on, you know, I was kind of like, okay, I have a professional producer and this is the most money I've ever spent recording per song because I've always had my own studio. So it was like, I went into it this time thinking like, I'm a record label now. You feel what I'm saying? Like I'm actually investing real money into this shit. So it's like, I gotta, I'm committed. Like I gotta do it all the way now. Cause like a thousand dollars a session, man, like $8,000 to do an album is like not cheap. You feel what I'm saying? And that's not even counting getting pressed up. You say what? It's an expensive process. Right. And that's not even counting getting it pressed up. That's not counting any kind of promotion. That's not counting any merch or any website design. That's not counting any. That's just recording, making a beat and recording. And you know what I mean? But I was fortunate enough because I was working with him so much that certain sessions he was cutting me deals. So instead of charging me a thousand, he'll be like, well, look, we'll do this session for 500. You know what I mean? Like just because, because he was like, man, I just want to get your project done. Because, you know, I'm working, so I'm trying to, like, stack this bread up and, like, put it all into it. So, you know, it's like I record a song, and I probably couldn't come back for, like, another two or three weeks. So it was like, for him, it was kind of like, man, let's speed up this process a little bit. Look, I'll work with you. Let's do this, 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 and this. You feel what I'm saying? So I wind up cutting some money off, saving myself some money, and getting the, getting the album, getting the uh, EP completed. So once it was finished, um, I went into looking into getting it pressed up. And I said, well, I'm going to do 500 copies first. And, you know, I, I kind of started with the whole, like, niche marketed thing. Like, I like even though I released it, like, on iTunes and all that kind of stuff, I really wanted to try this whole, like, trying to build a cult following thing to where a certain group of people know about me, and I'm fine with that. Because my mission, honestly, with all of the craziness that goes on in the music industry, my mission is not to be the biggest superstar. My mission is not to be super famous. My mission is not to be the biggest celebrity. It's like, I kind of want to have this cold following where I can go and do shows somewhere and I can sell out 2,000 seaters. I don't have to sell out 10 and 15 and 20,000 seaters. I can sell out 2,000 seaters, 1,500, you know, 3,000 seaters. I'm cool with that. That's a lot of fucking people. You feel what I'm saying? And to have a thousand, to have a thousand people spend $100 a year you know, I'm making a hundred grand a year and it's all mine. And I don't have to have anybody dictate, you know, if I need to put on a dress to, to, to make my video go viral. Like I'm cool with a video getting 5,000 views because guess what? Out of those 5,000 views, I have probably about 500 of those people that's gonna probably buy something from me, buy some merch or buy some music or come to a show. Right. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah, definitely. I mean, like one thing that, I I think, or or sometimes I even tell artists, it's like, you know, everybody wants to sell at Madison Square Garden. Not everybody's going to sell at Madison Square Garden, but you could have, you can easily reach 200, 
2,000, 5,000, whatever the number is, uh, of people on, on the internet and build a, a connection with them. And with where they'll spend a hundred, five hundred, a thousand dollars on on your brand or with your brand in a year, and you can make you can make a living out of that. So, right, and, and that's and that's my main concern. My see a lot of people, and and that's the thing that that kind of like really really kind of it, it irks me too is when people try to validate your work based on views and based on like followers and and likes and then it's like there's people with a bunch of views and likes and followers and they're broke like right. you feel what i'm saying it's like they're famous online and they're broke and then there's people that got five thousand followers and get maybe 30 likes on a picture and but they they'll go thousands of dollars a year right you feel what i'm saying it's like people validating like your worth based on likes and comments and and and, and views, you know, it's like, it's, it's good. It's good to have on the surface, but it's like, when you live in a time where people can easily buy that stuff, it's like, how do you really stand out? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you can buy everything. You can buy likes, you can buy views, you can buy comments, you can buy followers, you can buy everything. Well, so if you know you can It's about brand right. equity. It's about brand equity. Um, right. And, and, and also like, I think, I think one thing that was interesting is, oh, uh, the sponsorship deal you got with with cognac with, with that cognac brand right like you're, you're not the biggest artist in the world however you were able to to secure some sort of collaboration or sponsorship i don't know the details of that deal but you as an indie artist you were you were you were able to secure that deal and i think there's huge opportunity out there that i think artists need to sort of kind of look at themselves, recalibrate, and, you know, go after opportunities. You don't have to be the biggest artist, but you can still make a decent living. And well, see, and see, well, here's how that situation happened. See, there, I, have, I have a little secret to my artistry, is that, like, I'm not just, like, an, a rapper or singer, see? When I when I sit down with anybody, and this is and this is how I got the cognac to work with me. This is how I got the baka to work with me, and all of those deals were temporary because you know I'm not the biggest artist, so they're not going to really see a true like financial return, you know, on investing heavily in me. However, <laughs> by collaborating with me, they do know. Okay, well, if we collaborate with him, we kind of help him out too, and then he help us out because even though he may be the little guy is like we we put some value into him by allowing him to be tied to our product so it's going to make him look more appealing to the bigger names they may say hey wow it must be something about this guy we need to pay attention to like i have a few influencers that follow me and and they watch what i do and they and they, and they applaud me you know what i mean and it's dope it's a dope feeling to know that they're watching you feel what i'm saying but you know it's those little things that that matter and the way that situation happened was it's like my my business partner ran into him at the barbershop, ran into the to the guy that runs the cognac at the barbershop, who's who's base who's from who's from New Orleans. And you know, he basically wanted to talk to him and basically sit down with him and talk about how, you know, different ways we can help him get his product out. So it's like when I sat when I sat down at the table, I kind of sat down at the table from a marketing perspective versus from an artist perspective. I was just gonna use 
my artistry to kind of put like a creative flair on actually promoting it. But I was really handling like the marketing aspect of it. So he really kind of brought me on as like a marketing collaborating partner. You feel what I'm saying? To kind of help get the brand out and get more people on it. So we were working on stuff like um, he did the radio commercial. And then, you know, I did a few video commercials and stuff like that. And, you know, we, we did it for a couple months just to see how it would go. And then when it got time to really like go full throttle with it, it was just like, we wanted, we kind of put a pin in it. You feel what I'm saying? He kind of put a pin in it because he had another direction he wanted to go. You know, I, I, I felt like we should appear more to a younger crowd because even though it was a cognac, it was more on the sweeter side, which would appear, which would appeal more to a younger crowd. But he wanted to appear more to like the Henny drinkers and, and the older cognac crowd and people that really drink cognac, like older cognac drinkers don't really like sweet cognac. You feel what I'm saying? They, they like the real deal. You feel what I'm saying? So it's like we didn't really see eye to eye there, and that's when I kind of pulled away. And, um, you know, the split was amicable, you know what I mean, because it was supposed to be a short-term thing to begin with, you know what I mean? And once we did a trial run, it was supposed to go into a full-throttle thing. But he was more concerned with a more mature crowd, and I, I, I told him, I said, man, right now, the money is where the youth is. You feel what I'm saying? It's like, that's who's spending the money. That's who's going to try it. That's who's going to, you know, be excited to be feel like they're on something exclusive. Uh, oh, hey, they're going to stick to what they know. If they drink Hennessy, they're going to drink Hennessy. They're not going to drink anything else but Hennessy. Like, you know, that's just, like, that's just the way it goes. Like, I mean, anybody, like, anybody over 30 that's, that, that drinks Hennessy, they're not drinking anything else. Right. It's like, but those, those 21 through 25, though, they'll try anything. Right. If it's if it's being popular, they'll try it. You feel what I'm saying? But we ain't see eye to eye on that. So, and the so, thing with the so so you so you went so you went in there as a, as a business rather than just right. an, an artist. Right. I, I think I think I think that's that's a point that a lot of artists miss up on. There are they're businesses and they have to go beyond the art because. They're just not public figures. I mean, they're just not music music artists. They're public figures. That's why you right. have, for for the longest, artists been doing PR work, appearing on uh, television shows, you know, doing some sort of collaboration, some sort of um, sponsorship deal with Nike or whatever the case might be. So, I. I I really do think um, artists really need to look broader when they're when they're doing their their artist work and promoting themselves. And I think that that's a, a really good point. Um, I guess uh, to 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 end this all, what what marketing tips or what business tips would you uh, suggest to to any artist who are who's trying to build their brand and and also make some money and be profitable? and have a business and be sustainable doing this uh, music stuff? Well, like I said, I mean, I'll give, I'll give three. The first one, I'll, I'll repeat it again. Quality is key. Like, if you're, not gonna, if you're not gonna go all out with making sure it's professional, you're wasting your time. Um, the second thing I would say, you have to know your audience. You have to know who you are as an artist. You can't, you can't be an artist that's trying to create something that just fits in because it's hot right now. You have to know who you are as an artist. And once you know who you are, you have to know your audience. And the ways you can find your audience, you know, it, it, takes, a, it takes a little digging, but like with Instagram, for example, 
Instagram has an analytics feature where you can go in and see male to female ratio, uh, top cities, uh, their age group. You'll actually know who's, who's engaging on your page, their age, whether it's a male or female, and where they're located. So when you know, okay, this is where they're located, if you got a high quality package and you say, let's say you do like an Instagram ad and you run a high quality Instagram ad to your demographics of 18 to 24 or whatever your analytics say that's located in Atlanta and Houston and New York, wherever it says, or whatever that's 63% female and 44% or 47% male. I mean, as long as you put those targets in there and you run that ad and it's high quality, you're going to gain more people that fit that demographic because people that fit that demographic are already engaging with your stuff. Like, I mean, it's as easy as, as, as buy, like, like you can't really, you can't try to hit everybody. You got to hit the people that want you. You feel what I'm saying? And the only way that they can want you is that you got to stand out. And the only way to stand out is having a high quality package. Like you got to be packaged up for high quality. The third thing is networking the right way. A lot of people go straight into like asking for what they want before they even get to know the person. It's like, I get so many DMs a day from artists saying, yo, bro, I spit bars, let's collab. And it's like, wait, hold up. It don't work like that. Like, first of all, you don't even know if I charge to collab, first of all. So you already like wrong in that aspect. You don't know if I'm signed to a major label and I can even collab with you you feel what I'm saying? I'm like, and if I pull out a split sheet right now, would you know what that's for? Right, exactly. So it's like, if you if you don't network properly, you're gonna lose every time. You know, like networking is is the biggest thing to marketing. So, and I just got into LinkedIn. I saw you. You know, I've been seeing you post about it and brag about it. And honestly, you're a big reason why I finally just you know just said fuck it, I'm gonna give it a shot. So like, I dug into LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And, you know, now I've kind of set goals to tap into things that a lot of people don't really think about. I'm trying to get my song on a video game. You know, I'm, I play live and I play 2K and I play Madden. And so I'm like trying to meet people of, you know, with EA Sports and 2K Sports and trying to see if I can get my song placed in, in one of the video games. Because the key, the key is not fame. The key is income. You feel what I'm saying? It's income. It's not fame. It's not popularity. It's making the money. Like, like that's everybody want to look the part. It's like, no, you, I want to be the part, you know? So that would be the, that would be the top three things. Have a professional package to where it can compete with the industry or at least stand next to something in the industry. You got to know your audience. You got to know who you're targeting and you got to network properly because influencer marketing is the best form of marketing because anybody with money can buy anything. You feel what I'm saying? But if you meet and make the right relationships with the right people that have the fan base, if they give you a shout out or if they post you or if they say, hey, this guy's the guy y'all need to pay attention to, their following is going to gravitate to you a whole lot faster than any money you can spend advertising. That's so true. it's like if you, don't build, if you don't build those relationships, you'll never know what that feel like. And the way you build those relationships is just keeping it simple and not necessarily going and asking for what you want. Try to get to know the person. Try to ask, you know, ask them things like, hey, man, what did you do to, be, to, to, to get this like this? Or, or what did you do to, to make your, your video do that? Or what did you do to get your pictures to look like that? Or what kind of camera you use? Like, show me that, that you want to learn something before you ask me to do something for you. Or that you, you care. Know? Right. You know what I mean? And 
a lot of artists mess that up. Like they network selfishly. They go into it with the mindset like this person is somebody, so they need to do something for me. You know what I mean? Like help a brother out. They have that kind of mentality versus look, you're somebody valuable. I'm somebody valuable. Let's see what kind of way we can make this value work together. And see the way I approach it a lot of the times, like I don't even approach it artists first. Like I approach it like, yo, I got skills at marketing. I do graphic, I do film, I do video editing, I engineer. You know what I mean? So you gotta put some human touch to it. You gotta put some human touch to it. Right, because a lot of people feel like, well, damn, you know, he do film. I mean, I need a commercial for X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, okay, look, instead of me charging you for that commercial, man, plug me in with blase, 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 because I do this music thing, too. It's a win-win for everybody. You feel what I'm saying? Like, but I came to the table from a different angle. You know what I mean? It's like you got to you gotta basically find your niche. And, you know, I'm a gamer, so it's like I really was like, Yo, I want to tap into the gamer community. You know what I mean? Because I've just started really utilizing my Xbox Live. Like, I really don't play video games as much as I used to because I'm so busy focused on this music thing. But, you know, I've kind of been getting back into gaming lately because I've had some free time. And I was like, yo, let me really just get get involved with this with this live thing and get on this headset and just see who I'm... And I'm just meeting people. And I'm like, yo, I can probably really build a fan base through this thing. Right. And you know, a lot of stuff with customizing options where you can scan your face into the game so they know what you look like and you can put custom t-shirts and customize your own basketball court and all that kind of stuff. And I can put my social media on there, my website. So it's like, if I'm playing these people from all around the world and they're playing on my court and they're seeing my website and my social media, now they're like, oh, yo, that's your website, bro? Let me go check that out. That's your social media? Let me go check. Because we're right there on the headset. So I'm like, yo, we're on the headset. You got your phone in front of you, hope. Yo, bro, look this up real quick. Well, right there, gain some fans. If it's 12 of us in the party, I've just gained 12 fans. Doing that every day. They add up. Well, well, yeah. well thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. Thank, I, I hope this brings some value to, to the people who will see this video in the next couple of days, weeks, months, years. And, um, you know... I, I guess we'll, we'll keep on talking about, about other stuff off off the record, man. No problem, boss. All right, for sure.